Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweeps, the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. My name is Tim, and today's podcast is part three of a four-part series. It's Helter Skelter, the life and times of Charlie Manson and his family. And um, if you didn't join us for the first two episodes, um, you may want to go back and listen to those. Or if you're okay just dropping in wherever, then by all means, stick around. That's how you live your life. Yeah, if, if, if you're not uh, OCD like some of us on this podcast and can go with the flow, then by all means, stick around and start with this one. But this is uh, episode three of a four-part uh, series on Charlie Manson and, and the family. And, uh, and in, in the first part, we discussed... Uh, young Charlie Manson, his upbringing uh, uh, from the time he was born until he was a young man, uh, all the way to the time where he was released from prison at age 32 in California. And then in part two, um, we discuss the various members of the what would become the Manson family. So we're not really doing this. It's not really like chronological order. We're jumping around quite a bit because we Forget most listeners are familiar enough with the story that um, um, this would make sense uh, the way we're doing it. Hopefully, it makes sense for you. But anyway, uh, today we're going to talk about the murders that took place in 1969 uh, and were uh, perpetrated by the followers of Charlie Manson. We're going to talk about those murders, but before we do, let me introduce. Uh, our, my panel. I am pleased, as always, pleased as punch, to introduce a lady who uh, is very charming, very witty. Uh, oh, we got a guest host today. No, no, no. It's the very lovely. Can you not intel- be nice to me for just a minute. Yeah, this is brandy time. You're not here yet. <laughs> yeah. The very lovely and talented, the queen of mean, the mistress of the macabre, the empress of evil. Satan's dirty little secret, pill popping, penis loving, Brandy. How are you today, Brandy? Living the dream, Timmy. How are you? I am well. Are you excited uh, to get into uh, these uh, dastardly deeds of the Manson family? I am so excited. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're also joined, as always, by the uh, moral compass of the podcast. The uh, most dangerous man in podcasting today, the very honorable 
hmm. Reverend, Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawkwaters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? Well, Timmy, I'm, I'm, I'm perturbed. Oh, God. Uh, you have a complaint. I do have is, a complaint. Are we airing? Is this the airing of the grievances? Well, no, we are the airing of the grievances. We're saving that one up. Okay. Uh, my problem here is I'm looking at this script. Yeah. And uh, and you did a what appears possibly a wonderful job. I don't know. I haven't read it. Well, um, that might be, you know, that might be a place to start. He hasn't read it, but he's got something to say about it. Of I course. Do. He has an opinion on it. it well, seems of course he does. I have... Five pages, and the devil only has three. Well, uh, I'm sorry, Colonel. Some there's some you know. I try to I try to even these out, but then sometimes it just doesn't work that way. It just well, depends why on the script. You given her the five page one because uh, you know we're trying to um, bring in more listeners and uh, get she better reviews. people. Get you're better, saying get better reviews. Okay, uh, well, I can see that. I could, so we're trying to limit her exposure yeah. to our audience. Exactly. Okay, well, that makes really? sense then. Uh, besides, um, you know, she is probably going to say some inappropriate things. A lot of inappropriate When you're things. talking, so. Um, yeah. I like to give her, usually I like to give her the longer parts so that we can interrupt her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys are so sweet. Well, we try. You want to switch, Devil? We're gentlemen, the Colonel and I. Are we allowed to switch? No. Why you can't got we your, You've got your assigned uh, script. Just read it. See the kind of you and me we live on the hill? <laughs> well, that needs Just to be some kind do of Do what later. you're supposed to do. You let me think, okay? <laughs> you just read. Leave the thinking to me. You okay. just read. Can I? Don't can question I? why I do things that I do. Just do it. Just go. Follow the instructions. That's all you have to do. Making your life simple, Colonel. <laughs> you, sound, you, you sound a little bossy and tyrannical there, Tim. I'm Timmy. sorry. I, I'm sorry, but we all have our roles. You in this alone podcast. can fix this. I, 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 when I assign the roles on this podcast, I do so in a way which will optimize the, your talents to take advantage, full advantage of your skills and abilities. Skills. <laughs> I don't believe that for one minute. We wow. have a skill set. <laughs> you have a skill set. I do have a certain set very, of skills that have been very tracked. weak. They've been honed. as they may be, <laughs> uh, very weak. But you still you have certain strengths. Well, it's let's face it. It's not playing to your strengths. It's trying to play away from your glaring weaknesses. So yeah, which is why I wonder why I got five pages. Well, it may, you know, his strength is not reading. Maybe, perhaps, uh, it's not that you are stronger in certain areas than Brandy. You're just not as weak as she is. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, thank you, Colonel. Make, you I let me do the thinking. Okay. okay. Thank you, Timmy. You just show up and read. Okay. I can just sit here and be pretty. Yes. Yes, you do that. Mm. Um, anyway, Colonel, anything else going on with you today before we get into these murders? No, I got nothing. You know, we've been do- doing this every single day this I week. I know. Are you getting tired of Charlie Manson yet? Um, I'm. You know who I'm getting tired of? Who? Krenwinkle. <laughs> Why are you tired of her? I, Bitch you pops know, up and everything. I just feel like if I was if I was in the family, mm-hmm. I wouldn't like her. You wouldn't be banging her? Nope. Not Krenwinkle. 
Which of the uh, Manson women would you like to have relations with? I like noisy women, so I'd probably take Squeaky. How about you, Brandy? Which of the women in the family? Uh, none. About the guys. She's lying about that. You know you do Bobby Boussoulet. You go play football with your you friends, know what? Bobby Boussoulet. I've never Boussoulet. seen a picture of Bobby Boussoulet. <laughs> show, a picture, show her a picture. And while Bobby she does, Boussoulet. While you do that, let me um, give a shout-out to our Patreon supporters. We got a new one. Um, yay. Yay. Thank you very much. Um, if you would like to support the arts, um, you probably don't want to support this podcast. But if you want to support our podcast, um, you can do so by – Visiting patreon.com slash history dweeps. Um, seriously, uh, it helps keep, you know, it helps us pay the bills to keep the podcast on the air. It keeps the wolves from the door, Timmy. It truly does. So we uh, are very grateful to those of you who um, contribute to the podcast. You can give a little, you can give a lot, or... Oh, just a wee little bit, Timmy. Just a wee little bit. It all helps us out. And in all seriousness, we are very grateful for those of you who support the podcast. And if you would like to support the podcast, please visit patreon.com slash history dweebs. So we're going to run through the shout-outs of those of you who uh, are supporting us. And, um, again, we really appreciate it. So here we go. Alicia and Chip. Jen Moyer. Oh, you're showing her pictures of the family? She's saying Bobby Boussoulet is not. Oh, she would bang him like a back door. It just reminds me of that movie, door. Waterboy. Go play foosball with your friends, Bobby Boussoulet. No. Thank you very much, Alicia and Chip. Jen Moyer, thank you, Jen. Brandy McBride, thank you, Brandy. We really appreciate it. Annette Petre from the Bronx in New York. Annette, thank you very much. Lise over there in Norway. Uh, thank you, Lise. And, you know, kind of please go check on Canute. I'm worried about Canute. We haven't heard from him for a while. Leslie Hagar. Uh, Leslie, thank you for supporting the podcast. Amber Scoville. Uh, much appreciated, Amber. Jahara uh, over there in Italy. Andrew Happ. Uh, thank you very much. Um, Mandy Swanson. Thank you, Mandy. Uh, Jennifer Siemens and her son, Hunter, as well as her mother, Linda. Thank you all very much. Bridget Clavey. Linda going to have to invite us over for tea. Uh, <clears throat> in California? Well, she got that new tea cart. It's oh. very nice. and Okay. So we should have high tea at Linda's house. We should have high tea. High tea. Lady Beverly could join us. She could. We tea. have to stick our pinkies out. Oh, yeah. All right. We're not savages. Right. Bridget Clavey, thank you very much for your support. And Bridget, Lou, we hope you feel better. Bridget's running into a... a, a yeah, she's having... feeling a, good. She's having some pancreatitis. Oh, sorry, and Bridget. That's a very painful disease. Yeah, you've had it, I'm Malady. sure. I have not had pancreatitis. But he knows somebody. Um, my father did. Um, there you go. God rest his soul. God rest his soul. Um, but but no. yeah, seriously, Bridget, we're hoping you're feeling yeah. better. Uh, Cindy Lou, um, thank you, Cindy, for your support. Uh, Heather Poole, uh, and uh, we also want to thank Charlie and Allie. They both support us. Uh, of course, Charlie and Allie from the Insight Podcast. If you get a chance, check out that podcast. It's really good. 
And uh, we have a new member to our Patreon, um, our list of Patreon supporters, and that is Amber Trevino. And Amber and her husband listen to the podcast. They're new to our uh, Facebook group. It's History Dweeves, the podcast Facebook group. Um, so we're happy to have them on the, the the Facebook page, and they've been very generous, and they're supporting the podcast, and we really appreciate it. Again, if you would like to support the podcast, just go to patreon.com slash historydweebs, and um, you can uh, sign up to help us there. We would really appreciate it. Um, anything else? Uh, you two, before we jump into the mud, let's jump into this one because it's, it's uh, and, and devil, you're gonna have to focus on your part. I got a long part here, so your yours tend to be. He's, he's saying he's out. gonna have to carry it, is what he's saying. Yeah, my back get a little sore here, devil. Okay. Come on, so just try you know to what? get your part right. And... You worry about your shit, and I will worry about mine. Well, see, that's <clears throat> my concern is you don't always seem to worry about your shit. That's all I'm saying. No, you worry about me. Are you, are you... Why are you obsessed with me and what I'm doing? Are you hmm? concerned about... Why are you obsessed with Are me? you concerned about the uh, lack of preparation that she puts into she, this? Well, it's, there's a complete and total lack of professionalism, preparation, uh, uh, human... Decency? Decency, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a I soul. Would, I would be careful. Say she's missing a soul. I would be careful talking about human decency. Either one of you, actually, boy in a bucket, and you over there talking about <laughs> well, Stephen Hawking and all this. That. Well, the yeah. boy in a bucket, I do feel a little bit bad about that. That was a girl in a bucket, by the way. A Whatever. Girl that had had no limbs. She passed away in, uh, in, on Christmas. She was over in Nigeria. Um, I do feel bad about that, but, you know, I turned the page. <laughs> uh, yeah, I told my son about that last night, about the girl in the bucket, and he said, you know, she was she hated being the last one kick picked for this uh, kickball team. Uh, okay, come on, come on, let's don't let's don't pick on her anymore. Because she was, we'll the, get hate mail. She was the kick She was the kickball. Yeah, we'll get we're gonna get hate mail from that. We're gonna and we're gonna go to hell. You have no soul. That you know, there's nothing like playing soccer with the heads of your enemies. So I've heard. Mm-hmm. All right, Helter Skelter Part Three. The murders. How many parts is this thing to me? Four parts. We've got one more after this. Uh, in our next episode, we take a look at the investigation, the trial, and uh, we wrap it up. So this is part three. That's why I was hesitant to do this topic because you really can't do it in a single episode. There's so many parts to it. And it really, even in four parts, we really could have done, you know, we really could have done this. We like, could have spent two weeks on yeah, this. Yeah, we really could have done like six episodes on this. So um, that's why I was hesitant to take on this topic. But uh, we're in episode three now. We have one more to go. So let's let's move on. So um, the first uh, episode, we talked about young Charlie. and his, his, uh, We talked about his life and growing up in... Um, Kentucky and West Virginia, and uh, how he spent most of his uh, youth in uh, one form of correctional facility or another. And then yesterday, uh, in episode two, I should say, we talked about the family members that he would uh, recruit once he got out to uh, California in the late 60s. So what we're going to pick up today is kind of back get back on our timeline, and uh, we last left Charlie 
on March 21st, 1967, at the age of 32, having just been released from prison in Los Angeles. Um, as I said, from, uh, by this time, uh, he had spent most of his life in institutions from, uh, for, from everything from robbery to pimping uh, to auto theft. And what do you say about pimping, Brandy? It's not easy. Right. Because? Because bitches be testifying. He would have got away with it except for bitches be testifying. Yeah. Bitches be testifying. So I want a T-shirt that says bitches be testifying. Well, stitch it on a pillow. Okay. I'm going to get a tattoo. He has, uh, he, at this point, he had been twice divorced. Not thrice, but twice divorced. And he had two sons that he did not spend any time with, and he had very few friends. He left uh, on his release day. He requested and was granted permission to move from Los Angeles to San Francisco because he had an acquaintance he had met in prison who uh, lived in the uh, San Francisco area. Now, remember, we talked about his, when he was, his time in prison. We talked in both episodes about him meeting uh, Alvin Creepy Carpus. And was, learning how to play guitar. Who taught him how to play the guitar. Um, Charlie uh, listened to a lot of music while he was in prison. He learned to play the guitar. He was a fair, you know, he was a, a fair singer, if you ever heard his. Well, he was no Don McLean. No, but I mean, he was—he wasn't bad. He was no—he was no uh, Gordon Lightfoot. He had um, aspirations, though, of being more popular than the Beatles. And Charlie was very—he uh, was a big fan of the Beatles, especially the White Album. And you let me say, for the moon, if you I'm not—I I really don't get the Beatles. I never really got the Beatles either, and I guess they were a little bit before my time. Yeah, now, same with me. I really like George Harrison. I liked his music. Um, and and strangely, a, a thing that's mocked, an album that's mocked to this day, but I think it's a very fine one, is when Paul McCartney went out with Wings that did Wings Over America. I think that's a good album. All you youngins should check that out. With Linda? Was Linda McCartney? Yeah. Linda couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, but... Wings had some nice but, but she had mm-hmm. both legs. She did. She unlike did. that bitch he married a while ago, yeah. yeah. But they got divorced. They did. Yeah. How, how'd you like to be divorced by a one-legged woman? I, she was crazy. She was crazy. Uh, Brandy, what did you think of the Beatles? you have any opinion on the Beatles? I like the Beatles. They're all right. All right. They're no, you know... Okay. Springsteen They're no Black Street Sabbath Street. or anything. They're no Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Who is Bob Seger the Silver? Yeah. Who is? They're no, no one. They're no Clash. I think the Clash was more innovative. The Ramones. Uh, the Ramones. Yeah. I mean, if you uh, so Rolling Stones or the Beatles. I never liked the Rolling Stones. I like the Rolling. I Stones. enjoy the Rolling Stones. I'm going with now. Keith Richards is going to outlast us all. I was going to put him mm. in the Death Pool, but I don't think so. No, I'm going with I, you know. There's still time, and I'm saying, I'm saying I hate to be the one who says it because you know people are gonna hate me for this, but I'm saying Betty White. No, uh, she's an easy target. I don't think it's gonna be Betty. no. It's not gonna be Betty. I'm or Val Kilmer. I'm saying right. uh, Kurt Douglas. Did you see the last pictures of George Michael? He got chunky. Yeah, he got. Heavy. I mean, he no, it looked like he was he was. 
bloated from medication or something. Yeah, that's what I think um, happened. I think it was because he got he got heavy quickly. But he died peacefully in his sleep, and if he had heart failure, you would have been holding a lot of fluid and. See, I don't like want to go in my sleep. I don't want to go pee. I don't want to. I, I I don't want a heart attack or stroke. I want. That's boring. I want to control my death. I'm just over it. I'm over all of this. I mean, seriously, this entire year has just been a shithole. It's you know what for if, taking people. If it were and I and I just put this in a comment. If we were, if the Chinese ha- could see into the future, they would have called this the year of Pan's Ram. Yeah, they would have. Because basically, the whole world got hobo raped all year. Yeah, all year. Yeah, it was a bad year. Okay, so uh, anyway, Charlie in prison. Alvin Creepy Carpus, who from the Mall Barker gang, is that right? Chuck? Mall Barker. He was brains behind the whole uh, outfit. Mall Barker was dumb. Yeah, so he, he, he taught uh, Charlie how to play the guitar. Charlie had aspirations of being a rock and roll star. He went. He moved to San Francisco after being released from prison in Los Angeles. Moved to the Bay Area. There, he got to know, met, and got to know Mary Bruner, who was a 23-year-old uh, graduate from the University of Wisconsin, a little Midwest girl. She moved out to L.A. Took a job at. I mean, I'm sorry, out to California. Took a job as an assistant librarian at the University of California, Berkeley. We talked a little about her last time. Uh, he met her. He uh, met, they met in the park while he was playing the guitar, and um, he wooed her. And end up he in a short period of time he moved in with her. He had no place to stay. He had um, was living in Berkeley, but his um, pro- probation officer, parole officer, was in San Francisco, so he had to make it across the bay. There to go to San Francisco to uh, meet with his parole uh, officer. And he started to hang out in um, the Haight-Ashbury area of San Francisco, adjacent to Golden State Park. And, of course, that area was infamous for the uh, uh, being the place for uh, where all the uh, flower children hung out, all the hippies. And it was 1967. It was the summer of love. And uh, Charlie, uh, you know, would sit in the park. He played guitar. And he would talk with all these young people who came to San Francisco for the summer of love. And, um, with flowers in their hair. With flowers in their hair. And, you know, he would talk bullshit with them. Now, he sometimes he claimed to be a member of the Church of Scientology. Mm-hmm. Uh, which he studied in prison, and I think you pointed out last time, Colonel, he also studied uh, Dale Carnegie course on mm-hmm. how to make friends and influence people. Something the devil could you read? Wouldn't hurt her to read it. And mm. these women, uh, or a lot of the women that he, a lot of these uh, hippies that he talked to were young females, most of them from, uh, you know, middle class backgrounds. And, uh, you know, he had the gift of gab. And he would talk to them about philosophy and his time in prison. And before you know it, he was, um, he was, uh, you know, he had a little crew together it was, that were following him. And he would um, spend his day at Haight-Ashbury. And then in the evening, he would go back across the bay to Berkeley where he would uh, fornicate. fornicate with Mary Bruner. He would soon bring other women home. First, that Mary would watch him and the other women, and then she would. He got her involved. 
So he started, uh, you know, a little harem, I guess. You know, Charlie was not a boob man. Yeah, he. Yeah, he didn't. I noticed uh, all the girls in the family didn't. They were have, all thin. Didn't have a rack. They on. weren't really all attractive either. I think he would. He picked them for that reason. Yeah, he would. Um, he would pick out these very plain-looking women, uh, young young ladies, and uh, tell them they were beautiful, and um, he would have them eaten out of his hand. Before the summer was out, Manson had eight or nine of these young ladies in the school bus. And, uh, you know, they had the, uh, we talked about the bus last time. Uh, they roamed as far as north as Washington State, as far south as Los Angeles, into Mexico and throughout the southwest. Uh, and they spent a lot of time in the Los Angeles area. Now, his whole focus during this period was to get a record deal. Uh, he wanted to make some contacts in the music industry, and L.A. was the place to be. And uh, some interesting uh, one, he, we talked last time how he got uh, Mary Bruner pregnant uh, during uh, 1967. But also during, and when she had the baby, the girl, the other women served as midwives, um, but a um, Charlie didn't like condoms. Uh, one one I'm of sure the, they were he was a bad back guy. Yeah, one of the a couple of the women in his uh, harem, Lynette Squeaky Frome, and a couple of other ones were hitchhiking one day, and they were picked up by Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys. Uh, Dennis uh, gave them a ride and took him back took them back to his place. Now who knows? I mean, I'm guessing Dennis was thinking. He was going to get laid here. He's an th- easy three-way. Yeah. Um, so he took him to his place. Well, when they he took him to his place, the girls called up Charlie and said, hey, we got this great place to crash. So basically, uh, Dennis um, leaves. He comes back, and Charlie and the rest of the family are all in the um, all in his house. And... Uh, <laughs> Dennis starts to freak out a little bit. He thinks Charlie's going to kill him and uh, basically says so as much and saying, you're not going to kill me, are you? And uh, please don't hurt me. And apparently, according to the story, Charlie got down and started kissing Wilson's feet. Well, of course he would. What else would you do in that? I, don't know. I think I'd almost rather take a chance when he's going to hurt me than have some stranger <laughs> kissing my feet. That's a little weird. Uh, inside the house. Hold on, Timmy. You hold on. All the things you've done in your life and having somebody kiss your feet. Having is a some weird. dude kiss my feet—that's a little weird. Do you think so, maybe, Brandy? But I don't. No. I don't get into feet. I mean, I don't understand foot fetishes at all. No, I don't either. I mean, there's nothing as ugly as toes. They're gross. But you know, to each his own. I I don't want to judge other people. I've oh, known, you don't I, want to, but you will. I will, but I don't want to. But if you get down and start sucking on a toe, I'm going to judge you. I'm sorry. Now, teach his own. Uh, well, you know, feet are just ugly. I don't know. Now, see, what if somebody said breasts were ugly? You're hung up on breasts. I'm not that hung I mean, breasts are okay. I mean, they're, they're more than okay. They're they're lovely and all that. I, what do you mean they're okay? That you know what that's a, like. That's like saying lasagna is okay. I like the butts. I like butts. And I he likes lie. big butts and he cannot lie. Yeah. I like average butts. They don't have to be big. They just have to be 
butt-like. Butt-like? Yeah. Hmm. Very, very uh, attractive in a woman. Woman with a nice butt. All right, so I just like women, I suppose. I, but I like. No, you're obsessed with breasts, isn't he, Brandy? Yeah, you got a thing. He's well, a maybe thing. I do, well, but at least it's not feet. I'll give you that. I, I believe I was weaned a little too early, and I've been trying to get back on it ever I since. I see. It's like a heroin addiction. You never really get over it. Yeah, you still have those cravings years mm-hmm. later. Gotcha. You got the breast cravings. So when Wilson, who drives up and sees Manson, he's he's afraid that Manson's going to hurt him. Manson gets down and kisses his feet. And inside the house, Wilson discovers that uh, 12 strangers are all, you know, flopped out in his house. Over the next few months, that number would double. Uh, Brandy, that would mean around 24 people yeah. would be in his house. 12 times 2. Well, yeah. she got a phone. She could use a calculator on her. She, I don't know if she knows how to use it. Two dozen. Yeah. Two dozen. For real? Let's say two dozen. It's like eggs. Let's not. The family members would make themselves a part of uh, at home at uh, Wilson's uh, Sunset Boulevard house. It would end up costing uh, Dennis, the family would end up costing Dennis Wilson almost over $100,000 in the few months they were there. So I'm sure he wasn't sorry to see him go. It's like the guest that just won't leave, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fucking people. It was a lot. Uh, this uh, that hundred thousand dollars included a large medical bill for the treatment of their gonorrhea. I guess he paid twenty one thousand uh, dollars for their medical costs. Cause, uh, Holy shit! What kind of case of gonorrhea you got that it cost twenty? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. There was a large medical bill for a treatment of some of their gonorrhea. So I get, apparently some of them had gonorrhea, and he picked up the tab. But $21,000 for the... <laughs> Ain't nobody could sleep at night from all the screaming. $21,000 was a, the accident, accidental destruction of his uninsured Ferrari. Why wouldn't he have insurance on the I don't, thing? I don't know, but one of the family members borrowed it. I can't remember if it was Clem or... Uh, probably Shorty. It was probably Shorty. Uh, Shorty was. You know, Bobby Boussoulet was. I mean, it might have been Bobby. I think was Bobby still around at this time. Bobby was kind of in and out, so I don't. Yeah. Know. Well, I mean, this was before they met Bobby, but I mean, he yeah. was kind of he would kind of come and go. Anyway, because um, they met him at the ranch, right? This is where they get to the ranch. Yeah, that's ranch. true. Uh, Wilson would sing uh, and talk with Charlie, so they would talk music, and the women would pretty much. Uh, act as servants to both Dennis and Charlie. So um, Dennis apparently liked Charlie, or at least he was frightened of him. Uh, He paid for studio time to record some songs written and performed by Manson. And he introduced uh, Charlie uh, to acquaintances of of his who were in the entertainment business. These included uh, music... Uh, executives Greg Jacobson, Terry Melcher, and Rudy Atabelli. Atabelli. Uh, and Atabelli um, plays a key role in this in that he owned the home that he would later rent out to Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate. Um, Jacobson actually was, uh, Greg Jacobson was actually impressed uh, with the whole Charlie Manson package. 
Oh, now, so I don't, impressive. I don't know if he meant his actual package. The Charlie Manson package? Yeah, but you I know, think because he, I he people... was referring to <clears throat> the artist, the lifestyle, and the philosopher. So he paid to have uh, some of Man- Manson's material recorded. So, Colonel, I don't think he meant package in the way you think of Well, see, package. sometimes I can't tell because sometimes I'll have, uh, like Mrs. Colonel, uh-huh. she'll say, She'll compliment, package. Your, she'll compliment and, your package. And I don't know if she means all this mm-hmm. or, you know, this. Right. You're, you're, you mean uh, your uh, male parts. My Yeah, the my, my uh, as, as we call the it, wang. The, the colonel's mighty sword. I see. But, uh, yeah, I never know what she's really talking about. Well, I think in this case he was talking about... You know, kind of uh, Charlie's uh, lifestyle, his we, And persona. you got to be clear about that because the other night, you know, we was rushing and we was Christmas shopping. We only had like three days. Mm. And we're putting stuff. We go to one store and we're putting stuff in a car. And she's like, hey, can you give me that package? And I'm like, okay, here you go. And, and you know. Yeah, you got to be careful. Know, when you're out in public, you really have to be Yeah, careful. she was. What she was talking about was a, uh, a, a turntable thing that we bought for Logan. Mm-hmm. You know, it was in a package, and she's like, "Hey, can you give me that package now?" And I was like, "Sure, it's kind of cold outside." But Does you she know. have a nickname for your uh, member? Um, yeah, but I don't know if I should disclose it. Um, disclose it. Disclose it on uh, on the app, but it's a God's little joke. Uh, no, she uh, Pee-wee. tiny. No, she calls it Mister Hickory. <laughs> Limpy. Why, why Mr. Hickory? Mr. Hickory. Really, you, you asked that question? <laughs> because I like to ask in-depth questions. Well, you know, pine is not a real hardwood. I see. But, you know, you ever seen one in now Unforgiven? She, now, now that you've been married, does she call it Old Hickory? <laughs> old Hickory. And, you know, Clint Eastwood beats the guy down, and he's like, ain't nothing like a good piece of hickory. Okay. Good, you know, a, a good piece of hickory is a good piece of wood. Brandy, what? Do you have a pet name for Dave's uh, Wang? No. No, really? Not like. Come on, you do. You're smiling. See, I know you do. No, just, just you share. do. This whole Come thing on, is us. so ridiculous. Just share. No, I do not have a pet name for my husband's Wang, and if I did, he would kill me for sharing it. So, I. But I don't. Okay. Well, what? What's your? Do you have? Some sort of metaphor, or, or when you when you want to spend time alone. I mean, do you say you want to, you know, you want, overhaul well, the transmission? The or no, no, no. Here's the thing: we have children, yeah. and my husband doesn't take hints. Okay, so it's more along the lines of, "Hey, you want to go do it?" Oh, okay. Well, that, that's you know, that, that's not, you've been there. You've got kids. Yeah, I've time had is kids. of the essence. I've had the kids. I'll tell you an embarrassing story one time. Oh, good. No, you know what? I'll, I'll save this one for oh, you. No, no, no. Please go on, Colonel. Oh, please. I, we, hey, we was, you know, you have little kids and... and you don't want to tease the audience. You're in the midst of something, you know. And and, and let's face it. If there was an Olympics, the Colonel would get a gold medal in this. Well, every, I don't pretty know much I every year. that or not, but go ahead. Um, and all of a sudden, one one middle of one night, we think we're safe. The boys are all in bed. The twins are, you know, mm-hmm. asleep. So it's late in the evening. And there's this. A knock at your door. On my bedroom door. Yes. We're like, yeah. And Taylor's like, you okay, mom? And (laughs) she says, yes. And, you know, she's mortified now, even though she's, you know, the boy's on the other side. He said, oh, I thought I heard you crying. 
<laughs> I was like, I wanted to high five myself, Timmy. I was like, oh yes, so. uh, okay, but okay. I let it go. Yeah, so that, she was actually crying. <laughs> she was literally crying. She was actually she crying. was in tears. It yes, was, she tears was very sad. Out. Oh well, thank you for that story, Colonel. Oh. So it was soon uh, Manson would establish a base for the group at Spawn's Movie Ranch, and we talked about that last time, right? Spawn's Movie Ranch uh, near uh, Death Valley was an old studio, movie studio. Uh, and Charlie and the family moved in there, and uh, the entire clan um, moved in there. The ranch had been a television and movie set for Western Productions. However, by the late 1960s, the building had, buildings were deteriorating, and the ranch was earning money primarily by you know selling horseback rides to families and kids. Uh, not that kind of horseback. Okay. The bareback rides. Yeah, not that kind. Uh, family members uh, did help around uh, uh, the grounds. They also, like, they fed the horses and whatever. Um, uh, Manson, as we mentioned last time as well, he ordered the family women, including specifically uh, Lynette Squeaky Frome, to occasionally have sex with uh, the owner of the ranch, 80-year-old George Spawn. Ever thought about doing it with an eighty-year-old Brandy? No. Well, you've ever I've never thinking met, about it. I've never met one with enough money. Yeah, she didn't need that grade in college. <laughs> yeah, are you? Oh, uh-huh. Are you going to tell us about your um, nope dalliance with the um, professor? No. Economic professor, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Struggled with the macro, micro. Economics, I guess. Not really. Well, yeah, you but you did something. They something motivated you. I was twenty. Was he dashing? He was dashing. And I was again, I was twenty. How old was he? Older than twenty. Seventy two. No, he was not. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, devil, admit it. He was in his forties. He had been the uh he had been an economist during the Great Depression. Advising Warren G. Harding. Yeah. <laughs> hey, whatever you got to do for that Funny. Yeah, I had get... an A in the class anyway. Uh, yeah. Okay, whatever you say. Whatever you say, Devil. Yeah. So, you really. Had an a in the cl- you had an A in the class, but you sleep on You know what? This is why I don't tell she you. She ended up with a C+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that this was is a why good I don't tell me. you motherfuckers anything. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Really, Ed McMahon? That was a good one, Timmy. Hey-o! Hey-o, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, back to the man. That's all right. That's one of the best ones we got the devil in a long time. That's all right. So um, George Spahn, this 80-year-old dude, he, he could barely see, so the girls kind of acted as his guides, you know. They, they walked him around. In exchange, uh, Spawn allowed Manson and his group to live at the ranch. In exchange for the, them doing the work, the girls walking him around, and him being able to bang Squeaky from time to time. Think about this: he eighty years old, Timmy. Eighty years old, before Viagra. Uh, he before was Viagra. He was before, hitting, and he was he's still popping wood. He was hitting it with a floppy. You think so? Yeah, I remember seeing. Um, he remembers. Groucho March said one time that he would give a million. He would give a million. This is back in the seventies before Viagra. Apparently, he had the same problem you have with the erectile dysfunction. <laughs> he said he would give a million dollars for one erection. 
A million dollars for yeah. one erection? Hell, yeah. I give him two. Well, you give him two erections? Hell yeah. <laughs> I give him Shake mine. And, I give him <laughs> mine, and I give him one of his own. <laughs> wow, um, Lynette Frome acquired her nickname as, as Squeaky. I think we mentioned this last time because she would often squeak when Spawn would pinch her thighs. You squeak when Dave pinches your thighs? No. Okay. Do you use? Does Dave use clips? Or anything on you? I mean, nipple clips. Just paper clips. We're not judging. We're just asking. First of all, you all are way too interested in my sex life. Well, we're doing it. We're the voice of our listeners. Yeah, they want our to listeners know. Want the to listeners know. want to know, Devin. No, they don't. Oh, I can guarantee you if we post that poll out there, they would want to know about mm. your sex life. <laughs> no. Which yeah. we may do later. No. I think we need a good poll for the devil's sex life. Yeah. No. Poll comes in handy. Mm. She's been on the poll long mm. enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Brandy with the eye. She's been on the pole more Charles than. Watson, who was known as Tex, would soon join the group at Spawn's Ranch. Watson was a small-town Texan who had quit college and moved to California. He met Manson at uh, Dennis Wilson's house. It's, it's what I said. Watson was uh, Manson met Dennis Wilson when the girls were hitchhiking, and Wilson gave him a ride. They met Watson when... Dennis Wilson was hitchhiking. It's a lot of hitchhiking. And it's too much hitchhiking going well, on. If, somebody if you are Ferrari. a beach boy, you should not be fucking hitchhiking. Somebody crashed his Ferrari. I guess so. But this is, I mean, this is when they, uh, you know, the, all those hitchhikers were being picked up and murdered out there. So, Seems to me like this is all stuff we covered yesterday. Some of it. I said that, that we're, it wasn't going to We're, all we're replicating. Well, we got to get the get, story. We're, we're trying to seamlessly put the story was, together. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're painting the picture here. <laughs> painting the picture. Watson gave well, come Wilson, on, Bob Ross, get on with it. <laughs> Watson gave Wilson a ride uh, when he was hitchhiking uh, after one of his cars has been wrecked by a member of the band's <laughs> Spawn nicknamed uh, Watson Tex because he had a pronounced Texan drawl. He wasn't a Texas colonel. No. But he was from Texas. For some time, uh, Manson began preaching to his followers about a coming race war. Manson was hung up on two things, basically. One was his musical career, where he was going to be greater than the big, 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 bigger than the Beatles. And two, this race war. Because remember, this was 1968. There were... You know, the uh, Charlie uh, or uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated. There were race riots. Uh, civil rights movement was underway. And remember, Charlie, being from West Virginia, was uh, partly raised by an uncle who was very racist. He was and, not the most progressive of men. No. And Charlie's um, theory was that there was going to be this race war. And black people were going to rise up. They were going to kill all the white people, except for Charlie and his family, who were going to be hiding in a hole somewhere. And then they would come out, and they would lead. Surprise. Yeah, they would be, uh, the blacks would look to Charlie and the family as their messiah, the, their leader. So he had this all figured out. Do you think he had sunglasses stocked up for when they spent the time underground? I don't know. Because when you come out into the sunlight in the desert, it's pretty bright. 
It'd be hard on your yeah, eyes. You make a good point, Colonel. I don't know if uh, Manson. See, I don't really, think Charlie was really prepared. I don't think he th- thought it all. Through. He didn't think it through. Uh, but anyway, he thought there was this upcoming race war, and he thought the song on the Beatles' White Album, Helter Skelter, which we get our name of our podcast, and of course the famous book was um, titled. You know, and and it's not unlikely. He thought that song was um, about the upcoming race war. People think that, you know, a race war or whatever is crazy, Timmy. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, I got a problem with Samoa. With who? Samoa. Samoa? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have a problem with The Rock and he's Samoan? Yeah. He's right. Samoan. The Samoans are big people. They are big people. They are big people. And, and one of these days... They're not going to take your shit. They're going to realize... They could just come in here and do whatever yeah, the they problem want. The problem is they're, on, a, they're on an isolated island in Micronesia. Hmm? Yeah, but they could still, they're still big people. Okay. And if we have a race war, I don't want it to be with the Samoans. That's all I'm saying. Giving him, you, you know, you keep talking I to keep him like hope, he has some kind I of something. I keep hoping that when we strike up these side conversations, <laughs> they're going to go somewhere. They don't ever. Two years. No, I'm just saying, if you're going to have a minute. race war, who do you want to have? It's like a mouse in the, in the maze. It just <laughs> bounces up its Longer the than two years. I know. Three years, Timmy. Three years we've been together. I know. And you expect that? Really? I know. Well, well, it's been more than three years. We've been, been doing a podcast for two years. We've been working together for five. Five years. Is that what it is? Almost five, five. years. Mm-hmm. Gosh, yeah. people are on my nerve. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Charlie didn't get that much time in prison for some of the shit he did. But, no, I'm just saying if we have a race where I don't want it to be with Samoans because they're very, very large people, a lot of them in the NFL. You would like it to be with pygmies. Yes. No, because he wants fast. it with pygmies. <laughs> he wants to battle the lollipop guild. Yeah, that's who I want it to be with. Yeah. yeah and do, do you think they were really a guild? Do you think they were like card carrying members? They had to like you know been, have an initiation or how was that whole? You guild? think the cards were little tiny things? Or? I, don't, I don't know, but I bet they wasn't hung very well. <laughs> no, you know, apparently you never seen Bridget the Midget. Is she hung? Uh, the midget she's with, they'd surprise They're normal you. size? Yeah. It's weird seeing a normal-sized wang on well, that's not a normal-sized person. Yeah, that, there's a problem with that. <laughs> I don't know if it's a problem for him. No, I mean, you should be... Uh, it should be proportionate. It should be proportionate. If, if, you're, if you're a little person, you should have a little wang. You know what? Take it up with God. I yeah. got a lot of problems with him when we get to Festivus with God <laughs> we will bring him into this too so uh, Manson uh, you know he's preaching about the race war he's hoping they land a record deal um, and uh, he emphasized that Martin Martin Luther King's assassination that took place on April 4th 1968 was the beginning of this uh, race war but he wanted to help it along a little bit uh, and he comes up with a plan for that uh, on a bitterly cold New Year's Eve at the ranch, the family members gathered outside around a large fire, listened as Manson explained that the social turmoil he had been predicting um, and had also been predicted by the Beatles in the song, in the White Album, in the song Helter Skelter, uh, was all about to come to pass. And now Brandy's going to talk about what happens next. And our little saga. 
No, Brandy is going to talk about what happens next, not Chuck. He's so bossy. I know. Well, the thing is, he's trying to pass on work to you. He doesn't carry his weight. No. I. What have I been saying? And you all want to sit around and call me stupid and act like I can't use well, the calculator on my phone. Well, that one does not. You know. Yeah, well, then what does that say about you? Things. Because I'm not. I'm not smart enough to use the calculator on my phone. And this slacker ass over here hasn't carried his weight in five years. <laughs> so what does that say about you that you run around with us? I, it, it tells me that I should be on a different podcast, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm here with you. I, you know, I felt like I'm in a, I'm in a sheltered workshop. I think I, think I should <laughs> be on a different you podcast. Guys become employable. You know what you are, to, Timmy? You're the Ernie Banks of podcasts. Thank you, Colonel. You do have a long part, don't you? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's Use get- all the murders. All right, who's next? Come on, let's roll. People are waiting. <laughs> oh, so it's okay for you to fuck around, but when the rest of us do that, fine. Uh, in fact, he maintained, or would soon maintain, that the album was directed at the family itself. Wow, the Beatles wrote an album just for Charlie just Manson. Just for Charlie and, and his okay, pals. whacked out What's bitches. an elect group? Is that supposed to be elite? Elite, yes. Okay. Elite. Not even close. It says elect group that has been instructed. Select. That was being instructed to preserve the worthy from the impending disaster. In early January of 1969, the family escaped the desert's cold and positioned itself to monitor L.A.'s supposed tension by moving to a canary yellow home in Canoga Park, not far from the Spawn Ranch. Uh, because this locale would allow the group to remain submerged beneath the awareness of the outside world. Quotes. Manson called it the Yellow Submarine, which was another Beatles reference. There, family members prepared for the appending po- apocalypse, which, around the campfire, Manson had termed Helter Skelter after the song of that name. By February, Manson's vision was complete. The family would create an album whose songs, as subtle of those of the Beatles would trigger the predicted chaos. Ghastly murders of whites by blacks would be met with retaliation, and a split between racist and non-racist whites would yield white self-annihilation. He had it all figured out. I hate people who think they have it all figured out, because they never do. True. Man makes plans and God laughs, devil. I just, I just always, always the people that, and God spoke to me. Yes, motherfucker, God spoke to you. You in the middle of your trailer park. Well, at some point, God talks to somebody. Well, but I mean, just these people, you in the middle of your trailer park making meth, you had an epiphany and a vision from Jesus. Give me a break. You've never had an epiphany. You uh, are. I have several epiphanies, but no, Jesus has never spoke to me. Well, I don't blame him. Yeah, I wouldn't want to speak. But I'll tell you what, if you... uh, just would take out three hours one Sunday and come to the church at the latter day colonel. No, three hours. Just That's three bullshit. hours out of a day. I'm a minister. I'm talking about driving Wait time. A I'm a minister of, on my own. What the fuck do I need you for? I'd have to. She'd have to. She'd have to be baptized with. Uh, 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 I'd have to get the fire department in there with one of those power hoses. Okay. I'd have to press your ass, wash your ass, <laughs> just to baptize all the sin <laughs> off of you. So. It's kind of funny. Oh, it's, it's so funny. Uh, the Blacks' triumph, as it were, would merely precede their being ruled by the family, which would ride out the conflict in the bottomless pit, a secret city beneath Death Valley. 
at the Canoga Park House, while family members worked on vehicles and poured over maps to prepare for their desert escape, they also worked on songs for their world-changing album. Oh. When they were told songwriter-producer Terry Melcher was to come to the house to hear the material, the woman prepared a meal and cleaned the place, but Melcher never arrived. Bastard. Melcher, oddly, oh, I don't know if this is in good, the script. tidbit. It's tidbit. Tidbit. Melcher was the son of Doris Day. Who is from? Cincinnati. Exactly. And as all this going, Melcher, is, I don't know if you got this in here, Timmy, just something. I, I didn't know. do a whole lot on Melcher. So. Okay. Melcher, Doris Day got so afraid of the family that she sold Melcher's house and moved him out of the country. Uh, there was, uh, once these murder occurs, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, people, a lot of celebrities uh Moved not not not, maybe not moved, but they they got out of Dodge for a while. Yeah, she Uh, moved him to Europe. She got him out. Yeah, got him out. On March twenty third, nineteen sixty nine, Manson entered uninvited uh, upon one zero zero five zero Silo Drive. Yeah, that's the which he had known as Melcher's residence. This was Rudy Antabelli's property. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Elcher was no longer a tenant there. As of that February, the tenants were actress Sharon Tate and producer Roman Polanski. Manson was met by some guy that was a photographer and Tate's friend. Polanski, he, uh, Polanski still has a, he still can't come to the U.S., right? Nope, he's still got a rape no. charge against him. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah, he's a piece of shit. Uh, this guy's last name... He, Okay, so Manson goes in. He's met by this guy. His last name's Hatami. Uh, and Hatami was there to photograph Sharon Tate in advance. In advance, Breaking news. The of, actor who played Alf is dead. Yeah, I saw that. What? Yeah, Dude, yeah. I'm telling you. Taking them all. It's like, you know what? It's like, you know when you finally, you know, clean out your kitchen, you clean out your refrigerator or something, you're just throwing stuff away, or you're mm-hmm. like, okay, we're just going to, you know, start over. throw it all in there, we're going to start over. That's what God's doing right now, is cleaning all the old shit out of the refrigerator. It's bullshit. But he's all taking right. some of the good leftovers. I know he is. I know he is. It's the end of the world, I tell you. I was going to eat that spaghetti. So, I doubt it. So, Tommy was there to photograph Tate in advance of her departure for Rome the next day. Having seen Manson through a window as he approached the house, Tommy had gone onto the front porch to ask him, What the fuck, dude? What are you doing here? When Manson told Tommy he was looking for someone whose 
name Hatami did not recognize, um, he Hatami told him that the place was a Polanski residence. Hatami advised him to try the back alley by which he meant the path to the guest house beyond the main house. Concerned over the stranger on the property, Hatami was now down on the front walk to confront Manson. He had reason to be concerned, let's face mm-hmm. it. Uh, appearing behind him in the house's front door, Tate asked him who was calling, and Hatami said a man was looking for someone. They maintained their positions while Manson, without a word, went back to the guest house, returned a minute or two later, and left. That evening, Manson returned to the property and again went back to the guest house, uh, presuming to enter the enclosed porch. He spoke to Rudy and to Belly, who was just coming out of the shower. Uh, although Manson asked for Melcher, Antebelli felt Manson had come looking for him. My problem I have with Manson is he's a pussy. He, he's never there when the mm-hmm. shit goes down. No. Uh, this is consistent with Prosecutor Vincent Belagosi's later discovery that Manson had apparently been to the place on earlier occasions after Melcher's departure from it. Speaking through the inner screen door, Antebelli told Manson that Melcher had moved to Malibu. He lied and he, that he did not know Melcher's new address. In response to a question from Manson, Antebelli said he himself was in the entertainment business, although having met Manson the previous year at Dennis Wilson's home, he was sure Manson already knew that. At Wilson's, Antebelli had complimented Manson, lukewarmly, on some of his musical recordings that Wilson had been playing. Yeah, I get the idea that for the most part they just kind of you know they just kind of was just placating. It was patronizing, yeah, child. and just yeah, yeah, he's really good. Uh, let's Whatever. see. Whatever. You know, like people do with us in our podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's really good. When Antebelli, <laughs> when Antebelli informed Manson he was going out of the country the next day, Manson said he'd like to speak with him upon his return. Uh, Antebelli lied to him and said he'd be gone for more than a year. Yeah, sorry, Charlie. I'm going to be gone for uh, a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. <laughs> in, resp- uh, in response to a direct question from Antebelli, Manson explained that he had been directed to the guest house by the persons in the main house. Uh... Altobelli. Altobelli expressed the, the wish that Manson not disturb his tenants. Manson left. As Altobelli flew with Tate to Rome the next day, Tate asked him whether that creepy-looking guy had gone back to the guest house the day before. On May 18, 1969, Terry Melcher visited Spawn Ranch to hear Manson and the women sing. Melcher arranged a subsequent visit not long thereafter on which he brought a friend who possessed a mobile recording unit. But he himself, unit. Nah, but he himself did not record the group. <laughs> By June, Manson was telling the family they might have to show blacks how to start Helter Skelter. <laughs> well, you know, he's a teacher. <laughs> you got to lead. Sometimes you have to lead the horse to water. Uh, when Manson Fucking tasked, Black Panthers, you know. Yeah, they were slacking on the job. Yeah, they wasn't, they wasn't moving fast enough for our friend Charlie. When Manson tasked Wilson with obtaining money, supposedly intended to help the family prepare for the conflict, Wilson defrauded a drug dealer named Bernard Lots of Papa Crow. Lots of oh, Papa. you don't want to defraud a Lots of Papa. Uh-huh. Big one. That's what uh, some of my dates call me, Crow. <laughs> Lots of Papa. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. How's it going, Timmy? Thank You're you. on a roll today, Timmy. Thank you. Charlie. You're on a roll. <laughs> Ed McMahon, Jesus Hey-o. Christ. Hey-o. That is you, you fucking kiss ass. Hey-o. Hey-o. He's open for shorter parts. Right. <laughs> Fuck. 
Um, let's see. Crow responded with a threat to wipe out everybody at Spawn Ranch. Manson countered on July 1st, 1969 by shooting Crow at his Hollywood apartment. Manson's mistaken belief that he'd kill Crow was seemingly confirmed by a news report of the discovery of a dump body of a Black Panther in Los Angeles. Although Crow was not a member of the Black Panthers, Manson just decided that he probably was and expected retaliation from the group. Yeah, so he, he apparently Manson kills this guy and he thinks now that the... Uh, now it's started. Yeah. It's on like Donkey Kong. Manson would now turn Spawn Ranch into a defensive camp with night patrols of armed guards. Jesus Christ, he was fucking wild. If we needed any more proof that Helter, was, Helter Skelter was coming down very soon, this was it. Tex Watson would later write... So Charlie actually shot somebody here. Yes. Blackie was trying to get at the Chosen Ones. Yeah. That's in quotes, by the way. And perhaps we an, do not in any way condone the use of the term <laughs> no. "blackie" for no. any no, we do race, not. gender. No, in perhaps cool. an unrelated case. Good name oh, for a dog. Shocking, an unrelated case. On May twenty seventh, nineteen sixty nine, uh, Colonel Scott Manson's biological father. Yeah. Okay, so Colonel Scott's brother. Darwin Ornell Scott was found brutally stabbed to death in his Ashland, Kentucky apartment. Yeah, I remember Charlie was from Ashland. I mean, he lived, grew up in Ashland, Kentucky. And um, so they found uh, his biological father stabbed to death. You know, his biological father's uncle. Brother. Brother. Right, brother. I'm sorry. So his uncle. Yeah. All right. So just before the murder, a group of hippies led by a man who called himself Preacher was in town giving out LSD. Well, they were givers. It seems nice. Yeah, they ran them off, and then after they left town, they found Colonel Scott's brother slain, well, stabbed to death. And there's been never been no you know, connection other than it just seemed a weird coincidence that this... Well, they only left town after the townsfolk burned their house down because they didn't <laughs> like hippies. That's a clue that you're not welcome. <laughs> And when quite they, frankly, has Ashland really changed that much? No, no, it really hasn't. <laughs> when they come at you with pitchforks and... Right. And I wonder if somebody looked outside yeah. Ashland and said, there's is a not, mob of foreman. Ashland, Kentucky is not the most progressive uh, area um, of the country. They got a nice federal prison down there, though. Manson was on parole in California at the time of the murder, but the murder occurred when Manson was out of touch with his parole officers. Neither Manson nor his family members were ever charged with the murder. On July 25, 1969, Manson sent sometime family member Bobby Boussoulet, along with Mary Bruner and Susan Atkins, to the house of acquaintance Gary Hinman. So they were sent to his house to persuade him to turn over money that Manson thought Hinman had inherited. Uh, the three held the uncooperative Hinman <clears throat> hostage for two days, during which Manson showed up with a sword and slashed his ear. Yeah, that's what we we talked about yesterday, right. in the previous podcast in Manson slashing. Is yeah. After that, uh, you know, Boussoulet stabbed him into death on supposedly on Manson's instructions before leaving the Topinga Canyon, Topinga Canyon, Canyon residence. Boussoulet or one of the women used Hemmons blood to write political piggy on the wall and drew a panther paw, which was a black panther symbol. Yeah, they're trying to hang us on the Black Panthers to start the race war. Boussoulet right. was arrested on August 6, 1969, after he was caught driving Hinman's car. Uh, there was the murder weapon in the tire well. And two days later, uh, 
Uh, Manson told family members at Spawn Ranch, now is the time for Helter Skelter. Charlie's revving up for that. Well, you know, at some point there has to reach, you know, there needs to be a climax to this story. Otherwise, he's, they're just plugging along for yeah, no reason. exactly. On the night of <clears throat> August 8th, Manson directed Watson to take Atkins, Linda Kasabian, and Patricia Krenwinkel to that house where Melcher used to live and totally destroy everyone in it as gruesome as you can. Yeah, I think at this point he's given up on his, uh, he's kind of bitter that his uh, music career is not taken off. He told the women to do as Watson would instruct them. Uh, Krenwinkel was one of the early family members, one of the hitchhikers who, is, who had allegedly been picked up by Dennis Wilson. Uh, the, er, the current occupants of the house, all of whom were strangers to Manson followers, were, I'm sorry, were movie actress Sharon Tate. She was the wife of Roman Polanski. And she was also, as most of you know, eight and a half months pregnant. Uh, her friend and former lover, because that's how we roll lover. out in California, was Jay Sebring. He was uh, a hairstylist. Polanski's friend and aspiring cream writer, scream, cream writer, Jesus hmm. Christ, screenwriter. Uh, you know what? I can't even say this guy's first name, but Frykowski is his Frykowski. last name. Frykowski. And Frykowski's lover, Abigail Folger, who was the heiress to the Folger coffee, coffee fortune. Um, so they're all there Sandberg hanging out. There. Jesus Christ, everybody else was fucking there. Yeah. Nescafe. Right. Uh, Tate's husband, Roman Polanski, was in London working on a film project or, you know, having sex with an underage girl. Who knows? Not at that point. Mm. That would come a little later. I'm sure. Whatever. Once a dirtbag. Uh, Tate had been visiting with him and returned to the United States only three weeks earlier. When the murder team arrived at the entrance to the CeeLo Drive property, Watson, who had been to the house on at least one other occasion, climbed a telephone pole near the gate and cut the phone line. It was now around midnight and into August 9th, 1969. Backing their car down, down to the bottom of the hill that led up to the place, the group parked there and walked up to the house. Thinking that the gates might be electrified or rigged with an alarm, they climbed a bushy embankment at its right and dropped onto the grounds. Just then, headlights came their way from further down within the angled property. Watson ordered the women to lie in the bushes. He then stepped out and ordered the approaching driver, 18-year-old student and hi-fi enthusiast Stephen Parent, to halt. What? Hi-fi enthusiast? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that important to the story? That was story? a big thing back then. Hi-fi. I understand what hi-fi is. <laughs> okay. I understand that it was a big deal it's, back it's then. It's short for high fidelity. What I'm asking is, is that really... Oh, I thought it was when you celebrate, you give each other high-five. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. As Watson leveled a twenty-two caliber rifle at Parent, the frightened youth begged Watson not to hurt him, claiming he wouldn't say anything. Oh, there's a list of the 50 most mediocre podcasts out in 2016. I wonder if we're on that one. Watch, take a look. We couldn't even make that one. Watson first slashed a parent with a knife. It'd be better to be mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> he slashed a parent with a knife, giving him a defensive slash wound on the palm of his hand. Um, he severed tendons and tore the boy's watch off his wrist. He then shot him four times in the chest and abdomen. Watson then ordered the women to help push the car further up the driveway. After traversing the front lawn and having Kasabian search for an open window of the main house, 
Watson cut the screen of a window. He told Kasabian to keep watch down by the gate, and she walked over to Stephen Parents' rambler and waited. He then removed the screen, entered through the window, and let Atkins and Krenwinkel in through the front door. As Watson whispered to Atkins, Frakowski awoke on the living room couch. Watson kicked him in the head. When Frakowski asked him who he was and what he was doing there, Watson replied, I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. Mm. On Watson's directions, Atkins found the th- house's three other occupants and, with Krenwinkel's help, brought them to the living room. Watson began to die ta- tie Tate and Sebring together by their necks with a rope he'd brought and slung, slung up over the beam. Sebring's protest, his second of rough treatment of the pregnant Tate, prompted Wilson to just shoot him. Yeah, fuck it. Oh, yeah, quit complaining. Yeah, they, Sharon Tate was the last one that was killed. They just This is a home invasion. Quit complaining about how we're treating you. Folger yeah. was taken momentarily back to her bedroom for her purse, out of which she gave the intruder $70. You think she'd have more money? I've got more money on me than the heiress of the Folgers. She fortune. probably had a diner's club card on it, Timmy. Oh, that was big back then. It was. Uh, after that... So they, so she gave them all, Folger, Abigail Folger gave them all $70. After that, Watson stabbed the groaning Sebring seven times. Frakowski's hands had been bound with a towel. Freeing himself, Frakowski began to struggle with Atkins, who stabbed at his leg with a knife uh, with which she'd been guarding him. As he fought his way toward and out the front door onto the porch, Watson joined in against him. Watson struck him over the head with the gun multiple times, stabbed him repeatedly, and shot him twice. Watson broke the gun's right grip in the process. Around this time, Kasabian was drawn up the driveway by the horrifying sounds. Yes, I'm sure she was fucking worried. She arrived outside the door. Uh, in, a vain to, in a vain effort to halt the massacre, she told Atkins falsely that someone was coming. Yeah, she got she kind of freaked out over it all. Yeah, she didn't like it. Inside the house, Folger had escaped from Krenwinkel and fled out a bedroom door to the pool area. Folger was persuaded to the front lawn by Krenwinkel, who stabbed, who stabbed and finally tackled her. Well, she wasn't, you know, that upset. Oh, that was Kasabian. Yeah, Krenwinkel's a bitch. I told you I didn't like that one. Yeah. But she would later show a lot of remorse. Yeah, fucker. She thing. was dispatched by Watson... Her two assailants had stabbed her 28 times. As Frakowski struggled across the lawn, Watson murdered him with a final flurry of stabbing. Uh, In all, Frakowski was stabbed a total of 51 times. You can look up a lot of these pictures if you're so Well, they're in that book. They're in the Helter Skelter book. Yeah, they're in the Helter Skelter, yeah. Back in the house, Tate pleaded to be allowed to live long enough to have her baby and even offered herself as a hostage in an attempt to save the life of her unborn child. But her killers would have none of it, as either Atkins, Watson, or both killed Tate, who was stabbed 16 times. Also, they also put a rope around her neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watson later wrote that Tate cried mother, mother as she was being killed. Earlier, as the four family members had headed out from Spawn Ranch, Manson had told the women to leave a sign, something witchy. Using the towel that had bound Frakowski's hands, Atkins wrote pig in the house's front door in Tate's blood. En route home, the killers changed out of bloody clothes, which were ditched in the hills along with their weapons. An initial conf- 
confession to cellmates of hers at Sybil Bray Institute, Atkins would say that she killed Tate. In later statements to her attorney, to Prosecutor Vincent Beglosi, and before a grand jury, Atkins indicated Tate had been stabbed by Tex Watson. In his 1978 autobiography, Watson said that he stabbed Tate and that Atkins never touched her. Since he was aware that the prosecutor, <clears throat> Beglosi, and the jury had tried the other Tate had tr- tried the other Tate LaBianca defendants, were convinced Atkins had stabbed Tate. He falsely testified that he did not stab her. See, I think Watkins was was responsible for a lot of it. He was a lunatic. Uh-huh. <clears throat> he was clearly a lunatic. Yeah. So you need wait a minute. So now Charles is going to tell us what happens next. Yeah, now we got, after that, after it was finished, it wasn't finished yet, Timmy. Right. The next night, six family members, Leslie Van Houten, Clem Grogan, and four from the previous night rode out, Manson's, rode out at Manson's instruction. Displeased by the panic of the victims at uh, Cielo Drive, Manson accompanied the six to show them how to do it. After a few hours' ride in which he considered a number of murders and even attempted one of them, Manson gave uh, Kasabian directions that brought the group to 3301 Waverly Drive. This was the home of supermarket executive Lino LaBianca and his wife Rosemary, a dress shop co-owner. Motherfucker's not doing anything. Didn't have nothing to do with anything. No, just minding their own business, selling groceries and fixing dresses. Yeah. It was uh, located in the Los Feliz section of Los Angeles, and uh, it was Los Feliz, and that's a very nice. It's a well-to-do have, part of. It's like uh, Brentwood. Yeah, we have a podcast coming up on a uh, murder that occurred there back in the fifties. It's kind of interesting, but continue, Colonel. Um, throw you off. It was uh, it was next next door to a house at which the Manson and family members had attended a party the previous year. So somehow the Mansons are getting they're the familiar, families. They're familiar with the area. And they they're getting invited to upscale parties. Mm-hmm. Now, according to Atkins and Kasabian, Manson disappeared up the driveway and returned to, to say he had tied up the house's occupants, then sent Watson up with Krenwinkle and Van Houten. In his autobiography, on the other hand, Watson stated that he went up there alone. I'm going to go with that just because I think Charlie Manson is full of shit. Well, Manson says he returned uh, to take him up to the house with him. After Manson pointed out a sleeping man through a window, the two of them entered through the unlocked back door. Watson added I mean, that. When you get down to it, Manson was pretty much a coward. I mean, he didn't. Yeah. He would, you know, he had all these great plans and talked all this bullshit. But when time to come to. Implement it. Rubber meet the road. Yeah, yeah. He, he went back to the ranch. Well, and Watson said that at at the trial he went along with the women's account, which he figured made him look much less responsible. Now, as Watson tells it, Manson roused the sleeping Leno Labianco from the couch at gunpoint and had Watson bind his hands with a leather thong. That would be uncomfortable. To wear. A leather thong? Mm-hmm. You ever never wore a leather thong before? Have not. Really? Not, it seems like it would chafe a little bit. Well, you don't. You know, you shouldn't have it on too long. Uh, you just have it wear it long enough to, for the women to put the dollar bills. Oh, okay. Stash dollar bills. 
Yeah, see, I use spandex to me because yeah. I don't know if I'm going to get – leather doesn't stretch like spandex does. I never I know see. what kind of mood I'm going to be in when I'm dancing. You ever uh, put on a little show for Renee? Well, you know, the, the missus has a demand, you know. Put a little construction I'm a, I'm, hat on. You know I'm a no, – you know the I'm missus a, demands are, can you put some clothes on, <laughs> please? <laughs> and quit eating Fruit Loops on the couch. <laughs> please stop. <laughs> she has simple needs. Yeah, she's a pretty simple woman. So anyway, um, so they got this guy tied up with a leather thong. Right. Now, after Rosemary LaBianca was brought in, briefly into the living room from the bedroom, Watson followed Manson's instruction to cover the couple's heads with pillowcases. He bound these in place with lamp cords. See, now, Charlie was the brains behind the operation. He didn't just do the actual much work. like you are. Yeah, I'm pretty much the brains behind this operation. Yeah, leave us to do all the dirty work. And <laughs> leave you to do the 13 pages of script. <laughs> yeah. Manson left sending Krenwinkle and Leslie Van Houten into the house with instructions that the couple be killed. Before leaving Spine Ranch, what Watson had complained to Manson about the inadequacy of the previous night's weapons. Now, sending the women from the kitchen to the bedroom, to which Rosemary LaBianca had been returned, he went to the living room and began stabbing Lino LaBianca with a chrome-plated bayonet. The first thrust was into the man's throat, Timmy. Ah. The sounds of a scuffle in the bedroom drew Watson there to discover For no reason. I mean, these people are just living their life. Well, yep. mostly serial killers that kill people well, I mean, don't have I, a I know, real legit reason. screwed up logic. To they just have very bad luck. Because, you know, the, I think the scariest thing about these serial killers and these goofballs, Tim, is there's, uh, you know, we've covered a lot of prost- a lot of serial killers who preyed on prostitutes. Yeah, those people are out in the margins. And people who, yeah, and people who live kind of, Dangerous lifestyles. Right. Or these high people, risk lifestyles. These people are in a damn nice, yeah, what they think is a crime-free no. neighborhood in the pajamas, you know, watching – he's he's watching sports center and she's probably nagging him about something. And then all of a sudden these freaks come in the house with bayonets. Yeah. And so, it's like uh, – the, and there's no logic to it. Yeah, I think this was the more really the most horrifying thing. This is what scared everybody is, you know, you look at serial killers, Ted Bundy, you know, he he got innocent women, of course, but if you're a if you're a man, you're not worried about Ted right. Bundy. You know, it's much like the Gainesville Ripper. He he right. he was getting just random people and even everybody was worried. Sure. Funny thing, I mean, it's a peculiar thing if they're just attacking women, people aren't so afraid of them, but once well, they start atta- killing man, attacking people who are in your home and well to do and well to do that's that's yeah so anyway um the sc- sounds of a scuffle in the bedroom drew watson had discovered that miss labianca keeping the women at bay by swinging the lamp tied to her neck she she was a she was pretty uh resourceful there and took yeah. the lamp that was tied around her neck and started swinging it at him yeah, so after it's hard to sneak up on someone like that. But alas, she took several stabs at a bayonet too from Tex, and then he a returned bayonet? to the living Where the room. Where the fuck do you even get a bayonet? A chrome-plated one. And resumed attacking Mr. LaBianca, whom he stabbed a balance of 12 times with the bayonet. 
When he had finished, Watson coughed, war, on the man's exposed abdomen. He stated in his autobiography, It's in an unclear portion of her eventual grand jury testimony, Atkins, who never went into the house, said she believed Krenwinkel had coughed a word. Now, in a ghost-written newspaper account based on a statement she had made earlier to attorney, she said Watson carved it, so it appears that Watson did carve this. Now, returning to the bedroom, Watson found Krimwinkle still stabbing Rosemary LaBianca with a knife from the LaBianca kitchen. Now, this Krimwinkle, man, she's a crazy-ass motherfucker. She, well, and Charlie had told, had told Watson to make sure that all the, all the women got their hands dirty. Maybe yeah, that's they, true. They'd all take part in it. Yeah, heeding Manson's instruction to make sure that each of the women played a part, Watson <laughs> told Van Houten to stab Miss LaBianca, too. There you go. Yeah. She did, stabbing her approximately 16 times in the back and the exposed buttocks. I guess she got her hands dirty. Yeah, yeah, she was stabbing her buttocks. So at trial, Miss Van Houten will claim, uncertainly, that Rosemary LaBianca was dead when she stabbed her. Because Miss LaBianca, she had had, in fact, 41 stab wounds. Yeah, that's crazy. And uh, most had been inflicted post-mortem. Now, while Watson cleaned off the bayonet and showered, Krimwinkle wrote Rise and Death to the Pigs on the walls and Helter Skelter on the refrigerator door, all in LaBianca blood. She gave Lino LaBianca 14 puncture wounds with an ivory-handled two-time carving fork, which she left jutting out of his stomach. She also planted a steak knife in his throat. Mm. She, I mean, this one crazy. These crazy people here. Yeah. Now, hoping for a double crime, Manson had gone directly, had gone on to direct um, Kasabian to drive to the Venice home of an active acquaintance of hers, another piggy. Depositing the second trio of family members at the man's apartment building, he drove back to Spawn Ranch, leaving them and the LaBianca killers to hitchhike home. Kasabian thwarted this murder. This is the one she just told everybody, turn left here, turn right there. Um, yeah, she gave him wrong directions. That, that's yeah. the, uh, and that is the, uh, that, is, that second, uh, the second murder that night, or, or it didn't happen, but where, where they went to kill that guy is where uh, Susan Atkins defecated in the hallway. Yeah, she took a dropped a big steamer in the hallway there. Yeah. And they, like I said, they identified it by the corn she had the night before. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, and now in part four of Helter Skelter, Timmy, you know what we're going to cover? What are we going to discuss? We will discuss the murder investigation and the downfall of the family. You know what? We'll get into this on the next podcast. But do you know uh, the police had two? They didn't connect these two murders. They had these two yeah. murders where people are in well-to-do neighborhoods are murdered with bloods, you know, pigs and, you know, shit, to, uh, yeah. uh, you know, painted in the walls and blood. And people died multiple stab wounds. They had two separate investigations going on. And the investigators never talked to each other. Yeah. It was really strange. Um, and... Sharon Tate's father, who was an ex, who was in the army, he was an intelligence officer in the army. He opened his own investigation. We'll talk about that more next time. But um, these, the the crime scene uh, in the Tate murders, you know, they had over a hundred different people in and out of that Walking house. Walking in and out, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was just yeah, a they, mess. They, 
was just a mess. Okay, but it so, was not set up for serial or murder, that it, kind of thing back then. Yeah. So next time we'll talk about the investigation and the trial, which is a whole other circus that happens, and the eventual conviction of Charlie Manson and members of his family that took part in those murders. Uh, Brandy, any final thoughts on the Tate La Bianca murders? It's just It's all very sad because these people had never... It's sad she was eight, eight months pregnant. Eight and a half months pregnant. Yeah, yeah. she could have dropped that baby any time, and they just... And I don't understand why... No, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason, other than the well, fact that the guy that owned a house who was renting it to him, you know, kind of... Uh, blue smoke up her ass about a recording contract, you know. You know what, though? But here's the other thing, too. You know, they want, you know, uh, one of them wanted out on on a, um, on a, oh, what's that called? When they let them out early because they're sick Basically and dying. Basically a mercy release. Yeah. Compassionate release. Uh, Susan, Susan, Susan Atkins, Atkins, yeah. Fuck you. Well, she didn't Fuck you people. She was one of the no, most I know. brutal ones. But they all, all of them are just, you know, well, we went out because of this, we went out. No, you gave nobody any chance. Really? Well, and you have, you know, what's funny, not funny about this one, but peculiar, is you can get people in cults to go along with selling all this stuff and giving you all the money. Right. And even having sex with you all the time. I mean, look at. David Koresh and all the other cults, God's Children and whatnot. Jim Jones. Jim Jones. Um, But to get people like this to go along with just chopping people up, there's got to be something inherently wrong inside you, That's what I'm saying. And and not just one of them. I mean, you're talking about a group group who most of them went along with it. You know, you have to go out. I mean, you have to find... You know, you have to find. Uh, you know how out of hundred people, how many, how many are, you're going to find that will do something like that? You yeah. know what I mean? So, I mean, he had to really and going to bang eighty year old man on top of it. Well, uh, no, I, I don't. You know, we're getting up there in age, Colonel. We don't want to. Well, that's true. But besmirch the young lady's name for banging an eighty. Oh no, man. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I mean, like the devil said, she needed a good grade. I mean, she I didn't to... say that. Yeah, well, she was clearly not going to pass <laughs> economics. Yeah, that econ was, was not going to. No, that was. It wasn't going to happen. She's got a C plus, but yeah, you know, you must have been proud of that grade. Oh, do you ever look at seriously? If you ever look at your transcripts and think, <laughs> I remember that class. <laughs> you know anything at all about economics? <laughs> yeah. You learned something. See, was he, was well, it, thanks. Cause did you learn it through pillow talk afterwards? Or? No. Oh, okay. I mean, did you sit and talk about supply okay. and demand? Let because me. you had he had to he had to demand and you had to su- supply. So I it was, was passing it was economics. A I was I got an A in economics. I was getting an I A in economics. I don't think any one of our before any of this happened. I don't think any one of our listeners is going to believe yeah, that. It's, Far fetched, oh. I think. But yeah, you know, if you say so. Yeah, yeah, because we believe you. You're a friend. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Anyway, uh, just to um, and we'll talk about this. Just to recap, the devil slept with one of her professors <laughs> to get a better grade. <laughs> no. Yeah. So okay, Patricia Kernwinkle was just uh, approved for recommended uh, for parole. Jesus. 
but uh, Governor Governor Brown has to approve it, and, and he, he denied. It down one no, time. no, that was uh, Van Houten that he Van Houten oh, that's he right. turned down. That's so right. Patricia Kernwinkle just uh, this week. Uh, she's the longest serving member of the uh, Manson family and still in the joint. Isn't she the longest serving woman? Yeah, woman, woman in, in California. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, longest, still, longest serving woman in California prison. I, I'm sorry, she's up for parole. She hasn't been approved, but they approved uh, Van Houten, and um, but Jerry Brown overruled it. Governor Brown overruled it, would not let her out. So he obviously, listening to our friend Brandy here, mm-hmm. who never wants to see them out. The only. No. The only you still a loaf of bread. She liked to Mary Bruner, who was the first member of his family. Of course, she was arrested. She was arrested earlier that day before the Tate murders with took place. With the credit card fraud. Yeah, which kind of was a break for her because otherwise she Yeah, she would have been right at the scene. Yeah. And then uh, Lynette Squeaky Frome wasn't at the scene, but she went on to threaten the life of uh, President Ford. And, she, uh, she got that gun right up in his face, and she had one chambered and pulled it, the trigger. He'd be dead. Yeah, but it didn't. Uh, History would have changed. Well, who would was it? his because, vice president? Uh, his vice president was uh, Rockefeller. Yeah, Rockefeller. Yeah, but I don't know if history would have changed because he he was out of office the next year. But um, she's out now. Lynette Squeaky yeah. Frome is out, and uh, so so Brandy. Any final thoughts on the? murders again any more final thoughts no any more final thoughts on your no c plus and economics microeconomics it, it, let me let us just get into the head of somebody who does this because i never understood it um okay just give us how old was the guy he was in his 40s he was in his 40s so he what, was twice as old this, as you what brought or, this about it doesn't matter. No, I mean, what, it's not that interesting of a story. You just, well, I mean, how does he end up sleeping with a student? Because, you know, that, that's, that's a little frowned creepy. upon. It, oh, yeah, it is frowned upon, but that's okay. So, no, I mean, how did he get in your pants? It's just, <laughs> it's not that interesting of a story. He came to a softball <laughs> game and what? Cheer John? What, what did he, he do? He was going to have a supply and demand. He was no. talking about regression. I mean, what was going on? No. <laughs> no. Elasticity. Yeah. No. Okay. It's just, it's not that interesting. Nobody needs, nobody wants to hear about it. It's not that interesting. Well, how was the experience? And it happened 20 some years ago. How was the experience? It was fine. Of, did all, he t- of all your sexual experiences, where would you rate that? Like in the top five? She can't in the middle. All of those. In the Oh, yeah. Well, especially it's getting, like a, especially getting a C plus in economics. <laughs> yeah. It's like saying, Timmy, every meal you ever had, tell me which yeah. one was the best. I mean, you eat every day, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. So, is that the only uh, professor you had sex with? Yes. Is that the only authority figure you've had sex with, Devil? Why are you? Have you had sex I'm with assuming the this was a guy. Was ticket? it a guy? It was a guy. You know, and that was a bold assumption on our part. It was. It yeah. was. Uh, yeah. We were bold. We were getting you. A, Oh my God! Well, we don't know. We didn't know if you was playing softball for that team yeah. or not. This is—it's not interesting, and it was—it's a long very it long last? time ago. Not long. It was a very long not time long. ago. Yes, it sucked. Mm, yeah, it wasn't very good. You must have been a microeconomic. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a macro. Or he, she, she was he trying? To, he, was he macro or micro? Tell us. Yeah. Oh my God. Will you read the shout-outs? We're expecting snow squalls, and I'd like to get home <laughs> rather than be— snow squalls? Squalls. 
That's uh, Indian women with <laughs> yeah. some snow on them. We do not use those kind of words on this show. It's yes. inappropriate. And I don't want to be stuck down here nat- with two of you sons We'd of bitches. We say Native American females here. Yeah, Native American female mm-hmm. snow. Continue, That's Colonel. all. Shout-outs, Colonel. Shout We've outs. got a lot we of shout-outs. Shout Let me give a shout-out to Jim Barron. We haven't given him a shout-out lately, and he posted something about whips and chains for you, Brandy, on the I page. saw that. See, uh, so uh, shout-out to our good friend Jim Barron. Go ahead, Colonel. All right. Well, of course, let me start with Tasha and Miss Ophelia. Yes, Miss out Ophelia. there in California. They don't have to worry about snow squalls out there. No, they don't. I wish Miss Ophelia. I hope she has Facebook and would join our page. Because I, I believe Miss Ophelia would uh would uh she'd I enjoy believe, it. I, think. She I believe Miss, me and Miss Ophelia could become friends. I don't think so. She would hate you. No, she would not. Most people do. I know. <laughs> hey oh, hey oh! You see how I can switch sides <laughs> yeah, between I, you two? Yeah, you're I, a you flopper. Know, I'm a flip what, and a floppy. You're a fl- you're a floppy. <laughs> you just hit me with a floppy. I am a there, floppy. Timmy. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Jeff Girdley. Jeff, hey, how's it going, Jeff? Sam Hildebrand. Jennifer and Linda, of course, uh, with the fancy new tea card. Missy Dean Horton, Britt Chris, hey Britt and Chris, Celine, Jeff, Doctor Jeff, Chestnut, Doctor Jeff Chestnut down there in Dominica. Mm-hmm. We got Rebecca Montanle. Hey Rebecca. Mike Eisenhower, Danielle Fredrickson. I love the name Danielle. If we had twins, I was going to name one. It was going to be French. If we had girls. Francesca and Danielle, we was going to call them Frankie and Danny, Timmy. Oh, that's great. Love the name. Erica Clements. Oh, don't, don't, don't He's do got 1,050 names. Can you give him a second? I'm just, because he's going to leave these people out, I know. Continue, Colonel. Okay, here, you, how about No, no, you no, 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 please continue. Okay. Toby Deese. Hey, Toby. Nancy. Nancy Jalapeno Palomino. A big uh, Chiefs fan. Big Chiefs fan. We do not like her for that, but. She is a very nice lady. You have otherwise, to say go Chiefs. No, well, I said go Chiefs the first time, but I'll say I'll give you a, I'll give you a charity go Chiefs for this one. Um, they're going to get pounded in the playoffs, but Kim Kazmersky Kamikaze, Jennifer Hawkins, the lovely Tara Chinchilla, um, Chicago Lindsay O'Brien McMillan. Okay. If I, next time I get up to Chicago, we're going to have a beer with Lindsey O'Brien McMillan. Uh, Sunyana, Eddie Rushing, Yoel Handler, Sammy James, my buddy Jason Dykes, Amy Carroll Payne, Tyra, the lovely Tyra Jenkins. Very lovely girl. Um, woman, I should say. Kate McCarthy. Hey, Kate. Bridget. Clavy, of course. We we'll hope you're feeling better. Byron Snellings. Denny Mac, big Denny. We got to get Denny on the show. Denny McNamara from uh, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. from Norway. He's related to John McNamara. I don't. We got to get him uh, on here. He's a good guy. Um, I can't believe his friends just don't call him Denny Mac. Maybe they do. William Truax, Amber Croup, uh, Crazy Gina Spillane, Trixie, Stephanie Quick, Michael and Sydney, of course, Jamie Tarantino. Flora O'Reilly, Gabby Lewis, I like the name Gabby too. Yeah. John nice. Cunningham, Tara. Bond. Jean Bond. Lydia, of course. Brandy McBride, who I believe we've already covered. The lovely Maggie Glover. Jeff Appel. Christine. 
Bourgeois. That's right. Mary Ray, Marvin Hammond. Hey, Mary Ray. I like Mary Ray. Andy so Bali. Loyal listener and Mary Ray. I was on. I was. She posted on. Someone had posted their favorite. They are asking a favorite podcast on another page, and uh, Mary Ray uh, mentioned us. So thank you, Mary Ray. Well, we thank appreciate you, Mary that. Ray. Let's see. Here's another one I'm going to probably get wrong. She's a new one. Cheryl Muscu. Musco. Yes. Cheryl, thank you for joining Cheryl, our Facebook correct group. Correct me if I got that wrong. Keith Frosty. Um, yes. Angie Drake, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becky Mitchell. Um, the lovely, lovely, and she really is. Um, I, I'm, I've given a lot of hell since she started here, but Katie Moorhead. Yeah, just, Katie's a good sport. She is a very good sport, lovely girl. John Gray, of course. Uh, we got, you know who I never give a shout out to is active on the page. I just noticed this today, Tim. Who? Liz Keating. Yeah, Liz is uh, very active. Yeah, so I apologize to you, Liz. And Liz Evans, too. I don't know if you give her shout outs. I believe I give Liv- okay. Liz Evans Good, because uh, she's a nice lady. Um, but Liz Evans, here you go. Um, Don Gordon, Kirsten Davidson, Susan Angles. The lovely little Emmy Waterfall. Emmy over there in England, over there in mm-hmm. uh, Sherwood Forest. Christian Dormer, Danielle Fredrickson, Amber Anderson, Peter Fuma, Ron Ratchke, Kelsey Fro, of course. Of course. Um, I believe she's a Los Angeles girl. I'm not really sure. Um, George, this is George with a J. Hubba. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alan Dobbs, Colleen Madison. Of course. Um, let's see where, who we got. Steph Glenn, of course. Don't want to leave her out. Christina Hodges. Christina Montana. That lovely Christina Montana. Chris, Christina Montana, also known as Lefty. Um, <laughs> lovely woman. Um, Marion Barber. <laughs> Jennifer Potts. Cindy Hamilton. Paul Mampilli. Mike Arnold. Melissa Lubrano, Brittany Powell, our two favorite Heathers, Heather Hall, Heather Poole. Very nice ladies. Ann Daza, Jeff Hopkins, John Janke, Mike Tabor, Lise, Kevin Behan. Lise down there, who is with child. Oh, is she? Elise, Le- yeah. Yeah. Did not know that. I'm, yeah, we well, you, yes, yes, yes. She's going to name her uh, after me and you, Timothy Charles. Timothy Charles, yeah. yeah. Charles Timothy. Um, Carol Nash, Terry, Terry Helmsley, Heather Marshall, Maddie Kinnon, Pavlova, Amelia Orozco. Carla Nelson. Michael Daniel. Does Carla listen to the podcast? Yeah, she does oh, because does she? Uh, she said something about our last podcast. Oh, I thought Carla was just a friend that supported yeah, she, us. No, she know. does listen. She's on the page, uh, active on the page, and she does listen. So. Carla's like a... Carly's your age or roughly my age. She Carly, never ages, man. Woman looks like she's thirty-two years yeah, old. Yeah, she never ages. Crazy as hell, but she doesn't age. Jim Moyer, Jessica Bishop, Liz Evans. I told you I had Liz, Liz Evans. You did. You're team. right. You were right. Um, Brenda Deutsch, Stacy Lynn, Jeffrey Dolan, Miriam Buckwald, Jennifer Miller, Toby Deese, Susanna Sheldon, Genesis Romani. Skip Fayou, 
Callie Jones, Brandy Weiss, Willis Deese, Andy Smizer, Gigi, Norma DiMaggio, Angie L. I miss you a lot too, Angie. I need to, I got you on my list now. Karen Alden, Amber Trevino, I believe you've already given, Joe Hopkins, of course. Yeah, Joe. Good um, <clears throat> Tammy Ennis, she's fairly new to the page. Mm-hmm. Um, an Aussie, it was somebody asked for a shout-out for an Aussie down under, and that is Stuart Benton. Yes, Stuart. Happy uh, to give you one, yes. Stuart. Thank you um, for joining us, Stuart. Jim Barron got his pair of anguish out playing with it. If I ever got a hold of you and got the pair of anguish, I'd straighten you out in a day, woman. I doubt it. Um, I got, and I got the beautiful Carla Nelson. Um, now that leaves us with Olivia Meyer, Brian and Lisa Lawton, Donna Kern, Aaron Wentz, Phyllis Munson, Colton, Clark, and Diane Trowbridge, Shonda and Larry, Tom, Tommy Boomershine, Tommy, Teresa Slavin, of course, and then you got the Colonel's crew. Yeah, did you um, skip Phil, Phyllis Munson? No, I got Phyllis. All right. Um, the Colonel's Crew, we got the official mascot of the Colonel's Crew, which is Little Fallon. The lovely Fallon. Lovely Fallon, yeah. Radika Smith, um, Angie Cobes. She's, she's a little bit hostile, but she's she's sweet. Scotty J, mm-hmm. Monica D'Agostino, uh, of course, Tiffany Bell, Shannon Rossett, Amanda Bocci Ball. Uh, Jess Williams up in Chicago. Hope you're staying warm up there, Jess. Uh, Francis Darton, lovely Irish lady. Janet Fitzgerald. I don't think uh, all those people are on the Colonel's crew. Do you, Brandy? No. Um, they have actually sent me private messages saying, yeah, can I be I on thought. your team? Where's the membership form? Mm-hmm. So uh, Karen Barnes. Uh, Jennifer Burdick up in Minnesota. Hope you're staying warm Very there, Very lovely Jennifer Burdick. Jennifer, I, uh, Jennifer and I are friends on Facebook. Jennifer got a large family, a wonderful family. Looks like she had a great time at Christmas time this year. She is very beautiful. So she is, she is a beautiful girl. Um, and well, speaking of beautiful girls, I mean, I could run the run the table here. I got Angie Ball, mm-hmm. who's a scary redhead, but quite lovely. Um, a blonde, but a lovely one, Sarah Mimosa. Mm-hmm. Samosa, Sarah Spaghetti, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call her. Um, and then I got my, as I said, my two most trusted confidants. Now, these aren't blonde-haired women or red-haired women. They're both brunettes. But both equally lovely, equally smart, equally dangerous, and equally scary, Timmy. Okay. And that is my solicitor, Nicola. Yes. And my enforcer, Allie. Mm-hmm. And, of course, once you get Allie... Ali's a package deal with Charlie. Yeah, they're so your muscle. That oh, they're a scary, scary pair. You put them two together. David, give a shout out to David Hill. You always leave him well. David, David Hill. Hill. Hill, like mm-hmm. my shoe. Come on, David Hill. David and Hill. Did you get How Michael you doing, and Sydney? Huh? Michael and Sydney. I did get Michael and Sydney. All right, Jason. And I got I got Jason. Do you pay attention? Yeah. Do you pay attention to shit? Yeah. How about Lindsay? McMillan. I got Lindsay McMillan. I said we was having a beer in Chicago the next time we go. All right. Then are we done? We got Lady Beverly. Mm Mm-hmm. And we got... Why? Look how impatient he gets when he gets to his mom. Squalls. Squalls. Major squalls. 
The lovely Dottie Scott. Thanks, he's, Mom. He's just bent. Why are you so – why do you not want your mom to get the proper recognition? I love for my mom to get the shout-outs, but it's going to snow, so we got to get out of here. Uh, we're can supposed people, to get like a quarter inch of snow. That's a lot. Uh, I tell women a quarter of an inch is a lot. Brandy, <laughs> where can people find us? quarter inch can make all the difference. Find us on Facebook. Yeah. Check us out on our uh, group page. It's History Dweeves, the podcast. Join our group. All the folks that we mentioned uh, on the shout-outs, they're all part of the group. So please join us as History Dweebs, the podcast Facebook group. Find us on Twitter. Twitter. You can follow us at History Dweebs 1, or you can follow the colonel at Hawk Walters. I don't know why anyone would follow him anywhere, but where else, Brandy? Uh, you can find us on iTunes iTunes, please leave us a review. Uh, subscribe and leave us a review. That's how other people find us, so we appreciate that. You can also find us on Lipson and Stitcher. Yeah, Lipson, if you go to Tim T. Scott uh, at Lipson, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, you can ha- get access to all of our uh, episodes, all of our uh, complete inventory. Uh, it's limited on iTunes. They they only allow so many uh, you know, so many uh, shows. But if you go episodes, if you go to Lipson.com, look up History Dweebs, you will find uh, over 200 podcasts that we've done over the past two years. So, yep. Uh, and we're available on most of all the uh, yeah, we're not podcast lives, devil. podcast apps. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for joining us, and uh, next time we'll get into uh, the final part of uh, Helter Skelter when we talk about um, the investigation and the trial of Charles Manson. And we shall never mention Charlie again after this. Yeah, we're kind of sick of Charlie Manson. But anyway, uh, until next time, everyone, thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you again next time on History Dweebs. Bye-bye. Good day. Bye, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.